Show me the way to go home. You know that song. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Well, hey, man, Uncle Luke, in God's good book, Uncle Luke has a story that'll get us all home. And home is where we are loved. And to be God's loved, well, that's really home, isn't it? Well, God's fillies is the way that Uncle Luke talks about God's loved. I can't believe that he talks about the fillies. Does Luke really talk about the fillies? I think he does. So come on in, let's check it out. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. channel always glad that you're here because we just like helping people read their bible better because we need to read our bibles better i need to read my bible better and i need people to read my bible with and that's who you are and that's who we are so reading your bible better ends up making it so that we ring the chamois of this life to its fullest read your bible say your prayers get together and talk god it's an amazing little formula that starts helping all of life. No matter where you are in life, you do those three things. Read your Bible, say your prayers, and get together and talk God with people. Things start going in the right direction, even when things are going in the wrong direction. Anyhow, in a world full of sadness and laughter, we're all living for the now and the hereafter. We're all friends and strangers. We're all wondering which way to go. But there's yo-yos, and there's bozos, and there's bimbos, and there's heroes, and we're trying to cut through all of that nonsense. There's singers and preachers, and I suppose I'm lumped into that now. But there's crawlers and two-legged creatures of all varieties. There's sermons, there's songs that are made for the soul. You know, everybody's acting like fine politicians, dressed up in perfect disguise, pushing their science and fiction, mixing the truth with the lies. Well, that's what life is like. We're all busy looking for answers, wondering which way to go. But the one thing that Uncle Luke's going to help us is to know the difference between yo-yos, bozos, bimbos, and heroes. Luke's got the main hero as a showcase for us. Of course, spoiler alert, it's Jesus Christ. So let's let Luke do the work. Let's actually read our Bibles. Come on, people, now let's read our Bibles. So before we go any further, I think it's always appropriate to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. That prayer will always get your head going in the right direction. Amen, Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. So anyhow, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Let's just read it. It's a short little passage. It's the opener to a, a, a massive uh, book in the, the new part of the Bible, the apostolic part of the Bible. Um, and Luke's going to jump in and he's going to say this. He's going to open it up by saying, in as much. Well, he was speaking Greek, but uh, we would say it. In as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, 
most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Bam, that's his opening. That's, that's how he gets the party started. Um, and, and it's so down to earth. You, you, you know, it, it's so easy to just read through the Bible and just, you know, not, not get it because we're, all of us are, are ADD. All of us are bad readers. We, and, and listen, let me just say this right off the bat. Luke's gospel, as well as, you know, really any other book of the Bible, was never meant to be read in isolation like we can do now. That's a wonderful thing that we can grab our Bible and go find some secluded place and read our Bible. But the Bible was meant to be openly read and talked about immediately. And that's why we're, you know, our format at the Bubblecle channel is just that. Let's just read the Bible a bit and talk about it immediately so that we have something good to say. And maybe we can just pick up on this conversation in another place with other people. Luke, when he was writing this stuff down, he was writing to an audience that he knew darn well was illiterate. But, but I will say this about Luke's audience. 2,000 years ago, people had a capacity for listening. That means the original audience, um, they might have been illiterate, but they had a really, really good skill set revolving around listening. The way that uh, some of the older languages work, Greek um, and, and Latin, it really demands that you're a better listener than you are in English, because in English, you can almost finish sentences for people, and that's a bad habit, and that causes us not to listen. Uh, but in Greek, the way that words work, you have to hang in there and wait till, you know, wait to see what happens next. So Luke opens with a very polite, but yet at the same time, very eager point of view. He's eager to tell a story. He really wants to tell a story, but, 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 but he's very polite about it. He's just saying, hey, man, I've got a great story for you. I've got a great story that is based on the events that have been accomplished among us. I've got a great story that is based on the things that happened. I've got a great story of all this that has happened among us. And the thing is, is that Luke is like me and you. Luke, Luke actually came to be a Christian the same way we do. Luke in his two volumes, so Luke and Acts are actually two volumes. Luke sits down and writes two volumes, okay? And, and um, it, it, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but Luke's um, cleverness is that he talks about they, you know, for, for a long time until you get to Acts chapter 20, and all of a sudden he talks about we. Luke gets picked up by the apostles, um, traveling around, spewing their messages. Luke ends up being a really close companion to Paul. Luke knew the first, the, the, he knew Peter, he knew James, he knew, he knew the guys, he knew the original gang. He knew um, them and, and he's just, he's looking back, he's sitting back and he's admitting. He says, listen, I know that there have been a lot of narratives of declaring the things that have been accomplished. I know that, I know that. Um, and I also want to assure you that I'm going to, what I'm going to tell you is, you know, what comes from the eyewitnesses. But, but Luke is basically saying, but there's more that, than what's been written down so far. So I'd like to put this together. And, and believe me, Luke, Luke is saying, believe me, the eyewitnesses, they're all checking in on what I'm saying. So he is speaking to us 2,000 years later. He's giving us the assurance that, hey, I'm, I'm being very faithful here to the original eyewitnesses 
Um, I just feel like there's more um, to the story, and, and I'm going to be faithful to the story. So a lot of Luke is going to come straight out of Matthew and Mark. That shows his solidarity to the other two pieces of writing that are already out there. He's also in solidarity with the letters that have already been written. So Luke's writing right about 65 AD, so about 35 years after uh, the death of Christ, you know, Luke is, is basically saying exactly what he's saying. He says, I know there's been a lot of things written down already, but I'd like to do it too because I've got, you know, obviously, first of all, he just likes telling a story. We should all like telling this story because it's the best story on earth. But he, he's saying, I just, I really just want to put together a good orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. Listen, Luke is not passing the, the offertory. Luke is not asking you to contribute to his ministry. Luke isn't asking you for anything other than a little time to listen to a story that definitely you need to hear because it's a story that he needed to hear. It's an understanding that he needed to get familiar with, and he did, and he needs to, you know, he needs to share it now, and he, and he just wants to, to get it out there which should be the attitude of every believer. It's my attitude. It's why I do what I do at the Publical Channel. I'm very aware of the small hits that I get, but I'm compelled to do this. I love it. I love talking about God. I love other people talking about God. I've just got to do it. There can't be enough talking about God. And Luke is, is more skilled at writing than I am, um, and he's going to basically you know, confess to you right up front, I'm not trying to pull any wool over anybody's eyes I'm telling you that there's already stuff out there, um, and it's good. He's not disagreeing with it. He just wants to, you know, create his own, you know, a compilation of things. He's in solidarity with everybody, um, and the eyewitnesses are definitely, you know, his his um, uh, main source. You know that everything he's going to write to you comes from the eyewitnesses. He's not making anything up, but it just seems really good to him following all of these things closely to put together this orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And that's what we probably want to talk about first, Theophilus. The word is Theophilus is a name. And it's kind of common. It's it's not the most common name. It's not like Bill, you know? I mean, it's not like a super, well, even Bill's not even common anymore, but it used to be. Um, so in its day, it was semi-common, um, both inside and outside of the, the, you know, the, the Jewish community or, you know, the Roman community, you know, it's just a common, you know, fairly common name. And so, you know, it really does seem like Luke is writing a letter to a friend, but if we really sit back and think on this for a second, it's also the most fascinating words in the first four verses that come up. Theophilus. It's an interesting word. What does it mean? Well, you can almost tell what it means uh, just by looking at it, even if you're an American. Theo, if you've ever heard of the word theology, that means study of God. So Theo means God. And then there's Phyllis or Phylos. Um, and Phylos means brotherly love, you know, affectionate love, um, you know, familial love. We know that because we know that the city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Phyllis, Philly means love. Yeah. Um, good down-to-earth love. And so it's really fascinating to think about how Luke has put this together. So here's the, the, the opinions on, on this. Who is this Theophilus? 
Um, is he a real dude? Well, the earliest people who make comments on this say, yeah, he was a real dude. It was somebody that Luke knew, um, and he lived in Alexandria. So there is some dude that Luke specifically knows named, you know, Theophilus. And then there's the uh, possibility that, you know, I'm totally in favor of here because, you know, I can't pass on the fact that Luke's letter is to someone named God's love, God's filly. God's filly. It's just perfect, right? So it kind of gathers in the idea that, well, he's talking to all of us, isn't he? Um, all dudes. So plenty of people throughout the uh, last 2,000 years have also made the comment that, no, I think this is just like a general kind of broad-based, everybody can see that they're invited because they're all God's fillies. Now, I think that's funny because the fillies are in the World Series, right? You know, and it seems like God might be a Philly fan because he's a love fan, you know. Well, anyhow, I'm being silly about the Phillies. Anyhow, there's one possibility that it's a real dude that he's writing a letter to. Then there's the other possibility that maybe he just means all dudes and dudettes. Um, and then there's another storyline that says, well, if you read the book of Acts and how it ends, it ends with Paul being in jail. And we do know that Luke is a traveling companion to Paul. So maybe Luke is writing this super big account of all the things to Paul's lawyer. Um, and, and there's an emphasis in both uh, his gospel and the book of Acts uh, on, on, on courtroom appearances, both by Jesus and um, by Paul. And so maybe he's, he's, he's kind of writing the background for Paul's lawyer to help him get him off the rap. I don't know. Uh, and then there's another idea that there is a, a Jewish priest named Theophilus, um, and not Judas priest, by the way, but Judah, Jewish priest named Theophilus, and one can't help but to admit that Luke, probably more than anybody else, emphasizes the conversations that Jesus had with Sadducees. That's the group of people that ruled over the temple, the, the Jewish priests. And maybe he is uh, actually writing to a convert, you know, who at, at the time there was a, a guy that was over top of the Jewish um, uh, temple. Uh, his name was Theophilus, and maybe it's him that he's writing to. Uh, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, maybe since God's involved here, maybe all four work at the same time. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 from my standpoint, what's the benefit in picking one? Because they're all just great angles. Um, and, and if God is in the midst of this, pulling his story together, then why wouldn't all work? And why wouldn't Luke be sitting back saying, like, this is terrific. Like, I know all these guys named Theophilus that need to hear this. And yet at the same time, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a name that implies everybody should be listening in. So, so that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the famous uh, 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 Delmar who says, uh, I'm with you, fellas. Um, I'm with all of them. I, I like them all. They all make me feel good. Uh, I don't need to, to uh, make those kind of decisions. Um, and and uh, people who feel the need to make those kind of decisions, um, I, I worry about them. Uh, that's all. Anyhow, so what do we got here in Luke's introduction? I think the main takeaway here is that Luke wants to tell a story that is the greatest story ever told. The Bible itself is, is written from the standpoint that this is truly the greatest story that has ever happened on planet Earth. And it is. It is the greatest story ever told. There's, there's songs, you know, and people who have said this over the last 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. This is truly the best story that is ever told. And it goes straight back to Genesis and it connects up here. We'll see in the next uh, segment that, you know, 
Luke's not doing anything new without the, uh, the strong work of the old part of the Bible, the prophets part of the Bible, um, Genesis, etc. But anyhow, the Bible is written as the greatest story ever told. And Luke is jumping in with that kind of excitement that I want to get involved in telling the greatest story ever told. I want to help all the Theophiluses out there. Um, and, and it's all about, you know, really how God turns up uh, in the most lovable of way. No matter whether you're reading Genesis or, you know, a gospel account like Luke's here, uh, where he's going to tell the story about Jesus, it's still the same kind of story. God does turn up. I mean, let's face it. One of our biggest anxieties is, is that I sure do wish that God would turn up. The Bible is written from the very standpoint that God has turned up. And that's what makes it the story that has to be told. That's what Luke's point is, is that this story has to be told. And once you get it, you got to just keep telling it, man. But, you know, it's God who is unapologetic that his Bible, his book is written by men. I've written, I've, I've run into many people who um, feel as though when they tell me, well, the Bible's just written by men. They feel as though they've got a real point of view here that really discredits, you know, the Bible as anything special. It's very important to understand that God is unapologetic that his Bible is written by men. Luke is telling you, I'm going to write you this. Moses tells you, I'm writing this. Everybody's, everybody is transparent on who's writing what they're writing. And if they're not transparent, then they're just trying to stay in the background because they don't want to be recognized as people. Um, that, and they don't want to take any of the, um, the, the spotlight away. Uh, but, but God's not apologetic about this fact that, yeah, his book is written by men. But here's the way it works. In the Bible, God is the player and he's the event manager as well. So it's kind of like a player coach or a player owner. I remember when Mario Lemieux tried to be an owner and a player. That was kind of funny to see. But in the Bible, God is both a player and the event manager of the whole thing. And he brings in his players, his cast of characters that are going to be in it. Um, and, and, and then he orchestrates how all the participants are working out and into the story. He inserts himself straight into the story, which means that he inserts himself straight into history. And, and, and then he lets his faithful dudes write it out as God played it out. So some people call this inspiration, but the Fat, bottom line facts of it is that God plays it out and then he chooses people to write it out as God played it out. And again, Luke is very polite here. He's not saying you must believe. He's saying, I think you should. I think this is something you should be interested. What do you have that's better? I think would be Luke's question. Certainly my question to anybody. What do you got that's better than this? Because I don't see it. I don't hear about it. Well, anyhow, the Bible is not written as some sort of magic words, secret words, shibboleths, passwords to some sort of spiritual bliss. It's not written like that at all. It's written in plain language and it's written in story form because God is inserted in the story and the story is about history. It's the history of how God inserts himself into the life of human beings the way he wants to. Not the way we want him to necessarily, but the way he wants to. So there's no holy language, you know, from the Bible's point of view, because God is responsible for all languages. The Bible has been translated into all languages as it should be, and it started 
to be translated into every language from the very beginning. And it was written originally in the lowest of all language, which is the language of Koine Greek, which is the lower class trade language of the time. You got to remember, Rome is in charge of an empire, and the trade language between the nations is Greek. Rome makes sure of that. So, you know, there's no holy language like Hebrew that, you know, and, and other religions make a big deal that you really can't understand unless you speak the original language. That's not the Bible's take. The Bible's take is this book is for the average Joe. It's written in the language for the average Joe. It may be 2000 years old, which demands that we, you know, give a little space for talking about it, but it is for the average Joe. And when it comes to Luke's volume here, we do have to recognize that it is volume one um, of two volumes. And it, I find it to be a bit annoying that, you know, we, we have Luke, it, the way that our Bibles are ordered, we have Luke and then we have John. And then we have the book of Acts, which is volume two for Luke. The order that the new part of the Bible, the apostolic part of the Bible is put in is not inspired. God gave no directions as to how the new part of the Bible, the apostolic part of the Bible was to be arranged. Um, the books themselves were picked because they were apostolic, but I think it would be really helpful if we, if we reordered that and if we saw you know, Luke and then Acts. I think that'd be helpful for us because that's the way Luke wrote it. Luke didn't write it and then say, hey, John, you write something now, and, uh, and, and then uh, I'll write something after that. That's not how it went. Now, the rest of the, uh, the new part of the Bible, the apostles' writings, are organized just fine, although, although I might have this tip too. I think the book of Revelation needs to be put up against John's gospel as volume two because it is volume two. John also wrote volume two, and it's called the book of Revelation in our Bibles. So I believe that if we put the book of Revelation up close to John's gospel and we put the book of Acts right beside Luke's gospel, then we would probably see that Revelation isn't as strange. Um, we kind of tuck it away at the very end like it's some sort of spooky place uh, in the corner. But I think if we did that, then we might actually see that Luke's gospel is just, you know, how the gospel um, unfolds here on earth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, uh, you know, John's gospel is about that too, but then the book of Revelation gives us a, a, a look at behind the spiritual curtain. So anyhow, that's a little detail or a little fun fact about uh, Luke's gospel. Um, but the most important thing here to digest is that there is no institutional conspiracy. It's just a good, hard, blue-working guy blue-collar kind of guy like Luke. He knows all of the blue-collar working guys called apostles. Yeah, there's a few white collars in there, and Luke himself might be a white-collar guy, but he hangs with the blue-collar class. He hangs with the working class, and he's just a hard-working guy who wants to jump in and do his duty. And, 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 and doing his duty means handing down this word, the word of Jesus that was handed down to the apostles. And all he wants to do is to tell us as much as, as possible about the events that have been accomplished, the, the, the declaration of this narrative that is now 
you know, just taking roots. And it's a very popular movement uh, that Luke can see. And he wants to jump in and give people the best of all possible information. And so the, at the end of the day, what you need here is a 2,000-year-old friend like Uncle Luke. I think that you ought to see all of the characters in the new part of the Bible as your, your uncles, your cousins, your best buddies, your pals, because that's the way they're writing. They are writing to be your friends. And as a human being, I'm just saying, you need to zoom out. If you think you're living in your town and your job and whatever the case might be, you need to zoom out. And not only zoom out and see the planet zooming around at, you know, um, 100,000 miles an hour and spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, but to zoom out and look at history and to think about your role and your place in the history of human beings and to find, you know, a connection, a connection to the past. And, and that's exactly why reading the Bible, saying your prayers, and getting together with people and talking God becomes an enormous part of our lives is because we need to be connected. We need to belong. We need to get home. We need to get back to God's home. We were designed to be God's friends. We were designed. We, were, we all started in our infancy actually close to God. It's only been the hard yards of this weird world that we live in that has put distance and the feeling of distance in, in what we're doing. And so Luke is just writing in a world full of sadness and laughter, the best story that has ever been told. And he wants you to just hang out with him and listen to the story, man. It, you know, he's not, he's not passing a plate around asking you for your contributions. You can give to this, you can give to me, but uh, he's not asking for anything. So let's just do Uncle Luke a solid and let him tell his story and let's read our Bibles. You know what I'm saying? Let's just, let's just listen in, read our Bibles together. Okay, look forward to the journey. Catch you next time.